Thanks, Pastor Nat. So good to be um, with you this morning. It's Beck, isn't it? Good. I think we met last year at the conference. So good to be um, with you guys. Good to be in your church. And as uh, Nate has uh, said, you know, there's been uh, quite a few times over the years that we've connected. But to come and uh, actually be with your church and work with your church, that's nice, husband and wife sitting together. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. But it is uh, just great to be um, with you. I actually spent quite a bit of my uh, teenage years growing up in Bentley and in Wilson. And uh, before that, as a kid, grew up in, in Applecross. I don't know what we were doing in Applecross. We didn't have any money. But um, we, we were living there for some reason. Uh, so I kind of like this part of the world. It's kind of memory lane whenever I drive from across the northern kingdom. Just like the Northern Southern Kingdom in our city, isn't it? I'm, I'm first born and bred boy, transferred from the Southern to the Northern Kingdom, where I met Diane, and we've been married uh, 43 years in March. How good is that? 43 years. That's, that's amazing. It's awesome. I recommend if you're married, uh, come to the next series because it will help your marriage. No doubt about that. How to Live with Humans. I like that title. I'm kind of tempted almost to kind of pop in myself and <laughs> discover how to live with humans. Um, but uh, marriage, can I encourage you? If you're married, keep going. Keep going with your, with your marriage. It'll go through some topsy-turvy times, but it'll, it'll work out in the long run. Um, I love pastors. I do love pastors and Pastor Nate and Beck and they planted the church five, five and a half years ago and still going strong, still believing the Lord for good things because he is a good God. And having worked with churches now for nearly 40 years, I've been in pastoral ministry and various sort of roles, various situations, I find that if a church just keeps following Jesus, things will work out. Whatever season you've gone through, and our church has gone through winter, summer, spring, and autumn, multiple times. You just hang around, the next season will turn up. It is like the weather. Uh, whatever season your church is in, it'll move into another season. I want to congratulate you first on planting a church. Uh, so you must be slightly insane to do that. Church planters are a different breed of human because uh, it does require a huge amount of sacrifice, a, a level of risk and stepping out in faith that takes. So well done for doing that and well done for continuing to follow the Lord and continue to lead your church through all sorts of different scenarios and different seasons. Why don't you put your hands together and appreciate your pastors. Come on, come on, give it up for your pastors and appreciate them and love them. And if you ever get ticked off with your pastor, um, the Holy Spirit has a tick removal ministry. And he can just get rid of that little tick and you forgive them and move on and love them and bless them, pray for them, appreciate them because uh, it's important to do that. Bless you guys. Well done. It's awesome. My wife, uh, Diane, loves jigsaws. She loves doing jigsaws and on our dining room table there, she has this special jigsaw board. Uh, it's kind of like a big fold away thing. So when the grandsons come around... They want to invariably help with the jigsaws, but it's really helpful. So Diane's able to close it up and do it. And she loves putting the jigsaws together. I, I, can't, I can't get my... Who likes jigsaws here? Some of you who are like me, I just can't get my head around. Maybe the edges, I could do some of the edges and that's it. But Diane's very uh, organised. She puts things into right piles and I come along and help her by moving the piles around. But she tells me, go away, that's not helpful at all. When our first grandson was born, uh, Jack, 
he's 10 now, but when he was about two or so, Diane bought him a jigsaw. She wanted to kind of get him into the family uh, sort of DNA quickly. And it was one of those jigsaws with the pieces of this big. So I like that sort of jigsaw, you know, it's kind of like about 12 pieces. And so Jack, um, we'd come over to our place, he wanted to put the jigsaw together. It was African animals and a safari type sort of thing. And, and he, we'd get down on the floor and, and we'd tip all the pieces out of the box and start to sort them out, 12 pieces, doesn't take long. And then Jack did an interesting thing. He grabbed the box lid of the jigsaw and stood it up on the floor. And so as he began to put the jigsaw together, he'd look at the box lid and then look back at the pieces. And I thought, he's watched his grandmother. He's seen what Diane has done, because Diane will put the, you know, jigsaws. Imagine trying to do a jigsaw without a box lid. Just crazy, eh? I mean, one of our friends uh, into jigsaws, she was like a full-on sort of maniac about jigsaws. She did a jigsaw of 101 Dalmatians. And it was double-sided. Can you? That's that's just. I'd go insane trying to put that together. Imagine trying to do a jigsaw without a box lid, and you put a box lid up, and then you look at the box lid, and then you can put the pieces together. What I want to do the, this morning is jump into the Bible and look at some. Um, I call them box lid believers, people that you can kind of put up there, and when you're trying to work out your Christian life. Thank goodness for the Bible. We can jump into the Bible. Bible is a life-changing book. I've currently got one of these big fat Bibles with huge kind of uh, areas, margins on the side that you can scribble in and write in. And so I'm, it's called a TYB. Uh, it's not the youth Bible. I am too old to own a youth Bible. But it's called Trash Your Bible, literally. Guys in Sydney produce these. And the whole concept is ruin your Bible with notes and underlines and highlights and let pages start falling out. It's a great idea because the Bible can change your life. Bible can revolutionize the way you think, the way you live, the way you act in all sorts of areas from relationships into workplace, into family, into finance, in all sorts of areas. So I'm going to take you into the Bible and I'm going to read you out a passage. It's a fairly lengthy passage, but I want to read it out to you. And then I want to pick a few people out of this passage. There's 29 people mentioned in the passage. I'm not going to do all 29. We won't be here till 3 o'clock. It's okay. I'm going to pick just a handful of people out of here that I'm going to say are box-lid believers. I'm going to put them up in front of you to help you figure out how you can live and follow Jesus in 2021. So I'm in Romans chapter 16. Paul is sitting in the city of Corinth. He's around about 50 years of age. He's uh, probably, if you want to put this in a timeline, he's around the timeline of Acts 20. He's just left Ephesus and the big riot, if you know the riot story in Ephesus, he's left Ephesus, he's travelled through modern, what we call modern day Turkey, travelled through Macedonia, he's arrived down towards the south of Greece in the city of Corinth. He wrote a couple of letters to the Corinthians, a very famous New Testament city. He's sitting in Corinth. He's on his way to Jerusalem, but he actually is planning to go to Spain. He actually writes about Spain. Spain gets a mention in Romans 15. He says, I want to go to Spain. And he's written to the Romans and said, hey, on my way to Spain, I'm going to visit you guys and you're going to help me get to Spain. You can read it in Romans 15. It's quite funny. He's going to turn up and basically take a big offering to get himself off to Spain. He's just putting it out in front of him. You're going to help me do church planning. 
And so he's an older guy, and he has sent a whole bundle of his co-workers, and you'll see this through the passage, onto Rome ahead of him. So he's writing a whole bundle of greetings to these people. Uh, if we're writing it in Australia, it'd be g'day, 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 but you'll hear the word greet a number of times. And jump into this passage, and it's, um, it appears at first glance to be a bit dry, but there's some gems in this. Romans 16.1 I commend you our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church in Centria, which is like uh, Fremantle is to Perth. Centria was just down the road from Corinth. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people, to give her any help she may need from you, for she's been the benefactor of many people, including me. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, he starts with the greetings, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me, not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets at their house. Greet my dear friend Epinetus, who was the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. Greet Mary, who worked very hard for you. Greet Adronicus and Junia, my fellow Jews who have been in prison with me. They are outstanding among the apostles and they were in Christ before I was. Greet Ampelatus, my dear friend in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and my dear friend Stasius. Greet Apelles, whose fidelity to Christ has stood the test. Greet those who belong to the household of Aristobulus. I do love that name, Aristobulus. I was never able to talk my children into calling one of our grandsons Aristobulus. Aristobulus Finkeldi has a certain classic ring to it, doesn't it? No, I didn't like it either. Greet Herodian, my fellow Jew. Greet those in the household of Narcissus, who are in the Lord. Greet Tryphenia and Tryphosia, those women who work hard in the Lord. Greet my dear friend Persis, another woman who has worked very hard in the Lord. Four women are mentioned in this passage as working hard for the Lord. No man is mentioned as working hard. It's not very good, is it, guys? Nice for the ladies. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, who has been a mother to me too. Greet Syncritus, Philogon, Hermes, Petrobus, Hermes, and the other brothers and sisters with them. Greet Philogius, Julia, Nerus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the Lord's people with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ send greetings. 29 people in 16 verses. Paul is saying hello to an awful lot of people who have worked alongside him in church laboring, in church planting, in church growing. But here's a really interesting thing, and I don't know if you noticed it when I was reading, but Jesus gets a mention 13 times. Sometimes as Christ, sometimes as Lord. In 16 verses where Paul is mentioning 29 people, he puts Jesus in there 13 times. This guy is passionate about following Jesus. In fact, the first Boxley believer I'm putting up before you today is Paul. He's an older guy. He's in his 50s by now. Now, in the first century, life expectancy was pretty well around 35, 36, 37, primarily because of the number of infant births. So people did live to older ages, but number of infant births lowered life expectancy. So by the time you're 50, you're like an old guy in the first century. 
Paul has been following Jesus for about 20 years, came to Christ around about the age of 30, roughly. We can kind of work out his timeline. So here's a guy who's followed Jesus for 20 years. By now he's planted about 20 churches. He's been persecuted. He's been stoned. He, has, uh, he will suffer a number of shipwrecks over his life. He's suffered beatings for Jesus. But here he is as an older guy. I love this. He's still passionate about Jesus. He just doesn't say, g'day, 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 g'day. I'm coming to Spain. I'm going to visit you guys. He talks about Jesus in Christ, in the Lord, in Jesus. It's vital that you and I, as we are churchgoers, as we join our Lyft group, as we follow the Lord within the community of faith that is Lyft Church, it's vital that the foundation of that is a walk with Jesus. It's vital that you have an up-to-date, fresh vibrant connection with Jesus. I kind of like it when I get on my phone and go into the, the kind of Play Store and there's a number of my apps need updating. And you think, oh, good. I love hitting the update button and just think everything's right, everything's fresh, everything's now. Sometimes I'll dive and see what they've done to the app to kind of mess up my life, to make my life better. You and I need a fresh, vibrant, up-to-date walk with Jesus. That it is about what Jesus has done over the decades. For someone like me, as old as me, what he's done over the years and over the decades. It's important to remember what Jesus did last year in your life. But there's nothing like a fresh, vibrant, up-to-date walk with the Lord. And the way I've done this over my years is I have a time and a place to connect with Jesus. We actually go to the church that we used to pastor. We're still church members there. I've not often been there in the last nine years because of doing work like this. But next Sunday, Di and I will be in church at our church, C3 Church, Hepburn Heights. We'll be there next Sunday. And because I can't get on many planes at the moment, I'll be there the following Sunday and the Sunday after as well. I love going to church. I love being in church. I love the community of faith. I love hanging out with brothers and small groups and that sort of thing. But you know what? That's not the foundation. The foundation is my time and my place with Jesus. It's where I connect with him for John alone. And I love being, I love kind of, I don't know pretty well any of the songs we sung this morning, I find. I go into churches and they sing different songs. I knew one or two and the others I was just guessing and hoping it wouldn't sound too off. But I, I love being in church and worshiping. But you know, that's not the foundation of my life. I'm a churchgoer. I'm committed to my church. The foundation of my life is my time and my place with Jesus. I have a time with Jesus. I'm a morning person. Unless I'm at a meeting, around about 8 o'clock, my brain stops. I just slows down. I've got a number of meetings next few nights. I'm good for meetings. So it won't be 8 o'clock. There goes John. He's fallen off the cliff. But I'm not good trying to to spend time with the Lord in the evening. Uh, My brain is dead by then. So I get up in the morning, I make myself a little coffee, I get some water, and I have a chair that I sit in. It's a lovely Ikea chair. It's in my office study, and I just like to sit in that chair, and I open up my Bible. And one of the reasons I've gone back to a retro Bible um, is, is it's very easy to open, and it's very easy to close. You don't need to plug it into anything. It never runs out of power, and, and it's amazing, but you can't find Facebook in there. 
So if you kind of get distracted, I'm, I'm reading at the moment, I'm, I'm reading Jeremiah and 1 Timothy at the same time and a few Psalms as well, just to mix it all up. Because I find trying to read 50 chapters of Jeremiah a little bit overwhelming for a month. Just find it a little bit, oh, here we go again, bang. So I'm trying try to mix up. But I, I find, gee, if I get distracted, what should I jump to? Zechariah? Oh, no, that's not going to go. I find when I read my Bible on this, I find for some reason Facebook just loves to drag me in to a little scroll or Twitter or, oh, I might just check my email. I know you never have that problem. It's just an older guy has that problem. But I love my paper Bible, retro Bible, and I'll sit there. And what, this is what I'll do. And sometimes, some mornings, it's six or seven minutes. Some mornings, it's 30 minutes. Some mornings, an hour. Uh, some mornings, don't do it at all. So I'm kind of not locked into a, hey, Lord, clocking on now and time starts. Right, I'm off and running, Jesus. You've got 15 minutes. Here we go. And clocking off now. That's not a relationship, folks. I sit with the Lord and, and I'll read some scriptures. And I'll, I've got my pen. I'm ruining this Bible. Once I finish it, I'm going to get another one because I'm on a bit of a mission with ruining as many Bibles as I can at the moment. And I'll just underline, I'll write a few notes, and I'll get a psalm. And then I'll just not just read the psalm, I'll pray the psalm. I was praying through a psalm this morning. Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. So I just said a bit of time just saying, Lord, show me your ways. What does that mean, Lord? Teach me your paths. And I'll use the scripture to pray. And, and I'll pray for Diane. I'll pray for our, our, our daughter and son, their spouses. I'll pray for my four grandsons. I have this real great prayer. I pray for my grandsons out of Nehemiah that they would fear God more than most people and be men of integrity. It's a great scripture out of Nehemiah. popped in my heart years ago. Just pray that all the time for my grandsons. The four of them won't be naughty boys. They were men of integrity who fear the Lord. And what's your time? Where's your place? And it's just a simple routine that's habitual in my life and has been habitual for nearly 50 years of just time with the Lord. And some mornings it's, okay, Lord, I haven't got much time. I've got a lot on today. And I'll just jump in. I'll read a few verses. I'll pray, commit the day to the Lord and say, great, Lord, bless my day. Here we go. And I'm into it. And that'll be some days. Other days I'll linger and sit and wait you have to have a time. You have to have a place. And it'll suit who you are. It'll suit your rhythm. It'll suit your pace. And Paul is this wonderful boxer believer. I want to be like Paul when I get old. Not old yet. Getting older, but I'm not old. When I, when I get really old, I still want to be in that time and that place saying, Jesus, you're amazing. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love following you. I love your Bible. I still want to ruin Bibles when I'm in my 80s and 90s if I get that old. I want to ruin Bibles. I want to leave behind a bundle of ruined Bibles for people to find and say, gee, this bloke read his Bible. Look at it, he trashed it. Okay, second box of believer. I commend you as sister Phoebe, verse 1. I want you to notice Paul doesn't greet Phoebe. It's the only person in this passage he doesn't greet. He says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon, a leader of the church in Centria. I ask you to receive her in the Lord 
in a way worthy of his people to give her any help she may need from you. For she's been the benefactor of many people, including me. A benefactor in Corinthian society was a wealthy person. Most scholars think Phoebe was a wealthy businesswoman. She was a woman of some substance with some wealth. Paul says she's been a benefactor of not just a few, but many people. <clears throat> How this would work in Corinthian society, because a third of Corinth were slaves. A third of the population were slaves. And it's probably not slavery in the way that we think about it in terms of you know, beatings and pushing people down. It was in some ways like employment, but you couldn't leave. <laughs> you could check out, but you could never leave. This employment sort of thing. And, and what someone like Phoebe would, she would go down to the slave market um, and she would go down there and, and she would go down and young guy playing the guitar, what, what's your name? Mitch. Mitch, nice guitar. Is that a Maton? Very nice. Very nice. like it. <laughs> nice plan. Uh, Phoebe would go down and uh, Phoebe would, uh, would buy Mitch. You're a slave today. Sorry, Mitch. <clears throat> Mitch, is, is, are you married? Is that your girlfriend or fiancé or you're married? Yeah. Girlfriend. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. Mitch, I'm buying you down the slave market today. You look good. You've got good teeth. You'll be right. You'll be fine. I'm going to put you through the Conservatory of Music here in, in Centria. I'm going to pay all your fees. You're going to be uh, boarded at my house. I will cover all your lodging, all your food. Your girlfriend can come with you. Because I'm a Christian, you have to have separate lodgings. But... Girlfriend, come with you and you'll be there and we'll look after you, get you married, you'll have children, we'll, we'll have you in, in my whole estate. And every time I go to party, Mitch, you're bringing the music, you're bringing the singing, you're bringing a band. Every time I need music, I don't have an iPod or anything like that today, I haven't got a smartphone, you're my music man and I will look after you. What's your... Is, Aiden, 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 you look, you look like good teeth as well. I'm going to buy you... Everyone in Australia has good teeth. And I'm going to buy you and I'm going to send you to medical school. You're going to train for five years to be my family physician. You will be my slave. Uh, Luke was a physician. Some scholars think he was a slave of Theophilus. And this is what benefactors would do. They would send Aidan off to medical school for five years. You'll be a family physician for me, but also for my village. People who live around estate, work on my estate, who farm all my olive trees, who get all my grain in, who make sure my business... This is a wealthy woman. And uh, you married Aidan. Great. Bring your wife. Do you have children? Okay. You will have children, but they can live on the estate as well. You can connect up with Mitch. You'll have a few beers after work on Friday and everything. You'll be fine. It'll be great. And this is what benefactors would do in Corinthian society. They would actually lift people up for their own benefit, of course, but for their benefit as well. Phoebe was a wealthy woman who was <coughs> excuse me, a benefactor of many people, including me. When Paul turns up to Corinth, Corinth and plants Corinth, then they plant Centria, she starts to reach in her back pocket. And when Pastor Nate gets up to do the offering at Corinth, Phoebe says, oh, I'm happy, I'll put some money in, no problem at all. Oh, Paul, do you need some finance, some support? Absolutely, no problem, I am happy to support you. And Paul says, Phoebe, you're an amazing woman. Would you take the longest letter I'm going to write 
the most theologically deep letter that I'm going to write. I need someone of substance, someone who will sacrifice, someone who is generous and big-hearted to take it to Rome, to read it, because you didn't just take a letter of Paul to the Romans or to a Philippian church. You read it out to them and you answered all their questions. You weren't just a deliverer, delivery boy, you know, here FedEx, there's your parcel, drive off. You read it out and you answered everyone's questions about the letter. She was a leader of substance and a leader of wealth. Paul said, will you leave your home? Will you leave your business? Will you make the sacrifice of an arduous, dangerous journey from Corinth to Rome with this most important letter? And you know what Phoebe says? Here to serve. Whatever you want. Big heart, generous, sacrificial. Paul, I've supported you. I've got Aiden. He's my doctor. He's brilliant. I've got Mitch playing the guitar, you know, and they've all got five children each now. And I'm supporting all their families because I love what... Paul, whatever you want. The church gets built. The kingdom gets advanced by generous, big-hearted, sacrificial people like Phoebe. Stingy people don't build the church. Small-minded people don't build the church. <clears throat> I, I love... One of the... One of the places I love. I'm born and bred in Perth. Diane and I are both born and bred here. One of the places we love going is Kings Park. Pretty well every year we'll, we'll go up there and have a coffee or just wander around or go through the botanical gardens that are just stunning in spring. And I thank God for two men, West Australian men, Lord John Forrest. There's a huge statue of him in Kings Park. If you've never seen it, drive around. You can't miss it. It is monstrous. My goodness. I'd like a Lord John Finkeldy statue somewhere one day, but don't think it's going to happen. There's a second man, John Septimus Rowe. Rowe Highway is named after him. He was the first surveyor general of the colony of West Australia. These two men, wealthy men, I mean, John Septimus Rowe lived on the corner of Adelaide Terrace and Victoria Avenue on a big property right there. These guys are wealthy men, but they sit down on King's Park and instead of saying, hey, John, both Johns, hey, John, why don't we build a mansion right on Mount Eliza, right where the war memorial was going to go. And John, you can have your mansion and I'll have my mansion and we'll, we'll actually make sure, we'll do a deal, Lord John Forrest, first Premier of our state, we'll do a deal that we'll get the property that's his crown land, we'll sell it off and make a little bit of money on the side and we'll both have mansions. Who would like to live in a mansion on the top of Kings Park? I mean, it's just stunning, isn't it? But these two men said, uh-uh. Let's do something for the generations yet to come. 500 hectares of bushland set aside for people like you and I that they've never even met or thought of. Our city has a symbol of generosity right in the heart of it. Of men who said, you know what, it's not all about us. It's not all about me. You see, selfish, stingy, small-minded people We'll never build the church. It's people like Phoebe. You and I to have Phoebe hearts of generosity, of sacrifice, of serving, of building something that will live beyond our days. You see, when you build the church, Di and I have been in our church. Di's been a, a member of our church. This year will be 52 years. I've been a member of our church. I came later. I'm a Johnny come later. I've been a member of our church 48 years. This year we'll have a combined total of 100 years 
in one church. You see, when you commit yourself to something that you're going to build that goes beyond you. I remember when our church was very small, very small. I can think back to those early days of a small church meeting in a congregational building in North Perth. But you commit yourself to something and you see what God will do over the years. Last box, believer. This is a couple. Verse 3. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. What a great phrase. They risked their lives for me. Paul doesn't elaborate. Maybe because he was fresh out of the Ephesus riot. Maybe Priscilla and Aquila save Paul. Paul wanted to go into the stadium, if you've read the story, and preach to the crowd that were rioting. That's how mad Paul was. Oh, there's a crowd. I'll go and preach to them. Uh, Paul, they're rioting because of you. Uh, They will kill you. You're not going in there. And it actually says they had to restrain Paul from going in to preach to the rioting crowd. (laughs) Maybe Priscilla and Aquila were pulling him back saying, Paul, they're going to slaughter you. Get out of town. And he did. He left Ephesus after that riot. I don't know. But They risked their lives. They risked. You don't build a church without risk. You don't plant a church. You know, the phenomenal risks you guys have taken the last five or six years to plant a church. Risk is a four-letter word for faith. It means to step out into a place where you're not sure how it's all going to go. And in Australia, we do everything we can to mitigate risk, to dial down risk. We have insurance. We have superannuation. Um, we have all sorts of things related to organisations that dial down risk as much as we can. But part of the walk of following Jesus is to take risks, is to step out. And I think it's so important, and I try and encourage my kids in raising their, our grandsons, their kids are saying, let, let, make sure your kids take risks. Don't, don't kind of mollycoddle them and just kind of helicopter parenting. I, I remember uh, one person came up to me, talked to me about helicopter parenting and and she said, oh, it's not, it's not helicopter parenting anymore, it's gunship parenting, where instead of just helicopters hovering, it's kind of like these huge, big, what are those huge, big helicopters that have guns and massive things coming out of them, just hovering over there. You touch my child, I'll blow you off the planet, sort of uh, hovering. You don't want to live a risk-free life. Di and I could still be pastoring our church, you know, we've still got enough energy to do that. But nine years ago, we stepped out to do Grow Healthy Church. Not quite sure how it would work out. And here we are nine years later with God's favour. We're still going with it because I decided taking a risk in Jesus is an interesting way to live. It's fascinating. I, I believe every believer, about every three years, needs what I call the 4 a.m. cold sweats. Not, not every night, <clears throat> but about every three years, you want to wake up before him and go, ah! <laughs> what have I done? Dear Lord, what have <sighs> And you can't go back to sleep. Oh, God, what have I done? Jesus, if you don't come through, I'm dead. I'm <sighs> you, know, you don't need that all the time. That's a horrible way to live. You're going to die in a hospital with that. But I reckon every few years, you want to take a step that makes you go, Jesus, you better be coming through because I'm in deep trouble if you don't come through. If you don't have that, I mean, we're just living like everybody else out there. I don't want to live like everybody else. I want to take a risk. Di and I 
end up in ministry and life story. Years ago, our founding pastor of our church, Pastor Frank Holcren, came to us and said, John, I want you to be the youth pastor of our church. I want to bring you on staff and pay you because our youth was booming. I said, Pastor Frank, I'd love to do that. I was in my um, late 20s and would love to do that. And he said, but we haven't got any money at the moment, so we can't do it. Oh, okay. All right, I'll hang around and see what God does. And months went on. Came back to us six months later and, and said, John, you won't believe it, but someone has come to me and knowing of what we want to do has donated your salary for a year to the church. I said, wow, really? I said, yeah, so you can start and we'll start next February and we have your first year's salary covered by a donation. I said to him, who, who is it? He said, well, they've donated on the, on the whole deal that it'd be anonymous, that you will never know. And I said, oh, well, you'll have to thank them for me. I can't buy them a gift or thank them. And so as the years rolled on, um, me being occasionally sneaky, I would say to Pastor Frank, who is that guy who donated that money? He goes, stop that. Naughty. Not telling you. It took me about 10 years, but I got the name out of him eventually. <laughs> Just kept dripping away. Eventually told me, he said, oh, okay, it's a while ago now. He said, it's Wes Prosser. I said, no way. Wes Prosser at the time, four young children, four little kids, him and his wife Sue uh, in our church. Wes was our business manager of our church. And Wes prompted by the Lord, but with an amazing heart of risk and faith, said to Pastor Frank, he said, look, I'll keep working as a business manager, but don't pay me for a year. Take my salary and pay John. He said, I've got some farm inheritance. We'll be right. We'll get through. But don't pay me for a year. It's almost, uh, Di and I believe that it would be dishonouring to live a risk-free life given that we started a ministry through that level of risk. I want to honour and I've thanked Wes multiple times, various times, for his sacrificial gift of what a, but what a risk with four little kids. It launched us into ministry which next year will be 40 years, pastoral leadership, pastoral ministry. I've told Wes, every bit of fruit that I have is your fruit. You can't live a risk-free life, believers. Why don't you close your eyes where you're sitting this morning? I want you to think about these three different boxes of believers. There's Paul. What's your time? What's your place? There's Phoebe. Generous, sacrificial, big-hearted. Priscilla Aquila taking a risk. Which one speaks to you the most today? Maybe the Lord's saying, I want you to renew your time and your place with me. Maybe the Lord's saying, I want you to become more generous Generous with your time, generous with your words, generous financially, like Phoebe. 
Maybe the Lord's saying, I want you to step out in faith. I want you to take a step of faith. I want you to believe for an outcome that seems impossible at the moment. What is it? I want you to make a great decision today. Make a great decision today. Maybe it's about a time and place. Maybe about generosity or sacrifice. Maybe it's about taking a step of risk. In your heart, just before the Lord, right now, decide, Lord, this is where I'm going to move. This is where I'm going to step right now. I want you to seal that decision with every eye closed. I want you to seal it just by raising your hand high in the air and putting it down again. Go ahead and thank you, thank you. Raise your hand high. Thank you, thank you. Put it down again. Thank you, thank you. Thanks up the back. Thank you. It's good just to kind of do something physical that says, yep, I've made a decision and I'm just affirming it before the Lord just by raising your hand. If you haven't yet raised your hand, go ahead and do that right now. Seal that with the Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Seal that with the Lord. It's good to make decisions in the house of God. Father, I pray now for everyone who has made a brilliant decision this morning. Discover a new time and place to renew it, to be sacrificially generous, to take a step of faith in a new way. Lord, I'm asking that grace would now come for every heart. Give every heart grace. Strengthen them by your spirit. Fill them with your spirit. Lord, that they will be empowered to take a step in that decision today. That they'll begin to move in that direction of their decision today. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. Follow us on Instagram at The Lift Church or on Facebook at Lift Church Perth. That will give you all the up-to-date information about what's happening in the life of our church. Thanks again for listening. God bless.